we're going to have a powerful, powerful message uh, for you today from a, a friend of mine that I've known for uh, probably 15 years at least. Um, met him online through some of the online business stuff that, uh, that I've been doing. So it might have even been late 90s. He got online, um, used to be a youth minister, got online and developed a, a business called Solomon CEO. Sold millions of dollars worth of this thing called Solomon CEO. It was basically business principles from the life of Solomon and the book of Proverbs and uh, did amazing with it. And I helped him get that launched, was an affiliate for him and have known Mark for years and years. And uh, beautiful family, we're going to talk about beautiful family, beautiful wife, been married for quite some time. Um, but then a few years ago, got hit face-to-face with cancer and has been dealing with that. And so I just wanted to have Mark come on, talk, talk about business, talk about life, but talk about dealing with this, uh, this cancer that he's been uh, diagnosed with, pancreatic cancer, I believe it is. But Mark, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, you taking the time out of your day to be with Larry and I. Chris, it's, it's totally all my honor. And I want to thank you for partnering with me back in the launch of Solomon CEO because you didn't know me from anybody. And I was reaching, I was reading, uh, I think it's Clement Stone's greatest success system that ever lived or some book like that. And it said every week he'd reach out to kind of somebody who was a big deal, um, no matter what. And, so I like to immediately implement what I read. And so I closed the book. It's the only thing I read in the book. I don't think I opened the book again. <laughs> and I called your offices, talked to your assistant. I said, this is totally random, but I think it's congruent with Chris's audience and Chris's spirit. And would you guys take a look at the Solomon stuff? And uh, you became a great promoting partner for it. Um got me on to Rabbi Lathan, of course, and the rest is history. And the course still sells today. We've had over 2,000 people in the last uh, four or five months enroll. Wow. Still, and of course, from way back in the, it's as old as Solomon now. But, yeah. Um, yeah, of yeah, course, just keeps developing. So I want to thank you for your early for sure. adopter belief in that. For sure. Well, so tell us us a little bit about, um, tell us a little bit about this, how it happened. I think it was about four years ago. You were clicking right along. Business was booming. Great wife and kids. I love to see them on the internet. I see them on Facebook and watch everything. And then all of a sudden, tell us what happened. You started feeling sick. You went to the doctor. And how did you deal with that initial thing? I don't even start feeling sick. In fact, about two weeks before I got diagnosed, I told my wife, because I wasn't feeling well about five years earlier. Mm. And I, I told Shannon one day in the middle of the day, I said, I think I'm going to die. I think something systematically is wrong with me. So I went to uh, Mayo in Scottsdale and did a full CEO eval. And I said, I'd like a scan. I'd like something's going on. I, I don't know what it is. And they said, you look like a professional athlete to me. You know, they did a full body. Yeah, and they said, we can't, we, can't do it. we can't do it. We can't do a CAT scan on you. It's just stupid. You know, you, you're as healthy as we get to see. So I said, okay. Um, but I started just taking care of myself, reading a lot. 
And then about two weeks before my diagnosis, I told my wife, I said, you know, I, I feel like I almost don't even have a body anymore. I just, it doesn't bother me. It does nothing but support me. You know, I hike and bike and play tennis and basketball and football with 20 year olds every, every day. I had kind of like a entrepreneurial frat with kids. So I'm, you know, at the time 35 and they're 22 and playing side football and basketball and climbing mountains and everything's totally normal. Felt great. Never felt better in my life. And, uh, I was wrestling with one of my guys and he kind of punched me in the stomach and my guts just seemed to like fall out. Like they didn't leave my body, but it's just everything sunk and I couldn't breathe. And, uh, so they raced me to the ER and I remember thinking, I think I'm dying right now. And so, you know, I called my mom, I called a couple of key teammates, tell them thanks for the run carry on sorry i didn't get anything ready i just didn't think i'd die till i was like a hundred <laughs> you know so uh that was it and then i get there they get me settled down and i'm breathing again and then i think maybe i have gallstones or something and i'm like oh i don't have time for a two-day surgery or i don't have time for this crap i got work to do and the doctor came out and he said you know you have hundreds of lesions, hundreds on your liver. You have an enormous pancreatic uh, lesion of some kind. It wasn't his place to diagnose and say cancer tumor. Right. It's just the ER doc. But then over the next, you know, several weeks, we got several diagnoses and uh, ended up going to Chicago to finally get an accurate diagnosis that I had neuroendocrine pancreatic cancer, which is identical to what Steve Jobs had. Right. So they gave me, at that time, they gave me eight months to live. And this is about five years ago. And said, you know, pack it up and enjoy time with your family and try to get your business passed on as best you can. And, and off you go. So, call my life insurance agency and get an early death termination drop from my life insurance, reinvest all that in my business. And here we are four years later with uh, still alive. <laughs> and Tell the audience how you, old you are. I'm going to turn 40 in September. Okay. So I was 35 and I, and uh, never is not an exaggeration. I, it's almost as though I could not get sick prior to this. Mm. Like we would have our, I have four kids, they're all under 14, but the whole house and my wife, even the dog was puking with the flu. So I have, I have <laughs> five kids and I have four kids and my wife and a dog all puking from flu. I go around and give everyone a midnight, you know, tuck them in and give them a kiss good night on the lips. And they're like, dad, you, you're going to get the flu. We, you can't get the flu. This is before my diagnosis. And my wife's just like, your daddy doesn't get sick anyway. So it doesn't matter. And I didn't, you know? Yeah. And so it was a very strange and mysterious thing. There's about a thousand cases a year that drop. Yeah. But, uh, well, you know, Mark, and then as time went, 
time went on, it was, you know, four months, then it was two months, then it was weeks, then it's, I've been given weeks to live on several occasions. Yeah. You know, most of, I mean, all of us are going to die. Most of us never yeah. see it coming with an accident or something gets sick real fast or whatever. And, you know, I've always, I've always asked that question. Would you rather die slow so you can think about it, say your goodbyes, or would you rather go fast so that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to deal with all the stuff. But you, you've been in this process now for five years. They gave you eight months. And I know you're a positive, optimistic guy. You're always finding good stuff. You've been helping lots of people, helping these young men in that entrepreneurial frat, as you call it. But mm-hmm. what are the things you've learned? What, what have you learned mm-hmm. in the last four or five years? Because I know you. You're a learner. What have you learned? Maybe even some yeah. things you thought you knew, but now you really know them. Well, I know I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> it really throws your knowledge game off uh, because I, I'm not a, I'm not a psycho eater. You know, I eat, I, but I eat pretty clean, you know, like pretty clean, like Dr. Oz would give me a high five. Right. <laughs> if he saw how I eat, that kind of thing, you know, this morning still, I had, smoked salmon on a bagel for breakfast and you know i i eat well protein well and i constantly am active and energetic and spend a lot of time outside and do mental health stuff and play instruments and do all the things that if you do them you don't get sick right (laughs) wrong it just you know, so I, a lot more randomness has entered my worldview where there is just this kind of divine chaos that will, it's not chaos to God, it's perfectly in order, but we're just wild knuckleballs come into life. And I didn't, I was a little idealistic before this. And so, you know, I think a lot of my views on health had moved a little bit. Um, but one of the great things I think I've learned is i be able to become a little more human, I think, and more patient, more compassionate. And, you know, the monks of New Skeets, they're up in, uh, they're up Northeast and they're a Episcopalian monastery that trains dogs, but they have, they have very deep insight on the human dog relationship. And what they say is when a dog is sick, is it ethical to put, you know, him out of his sleep, to euthanize him and, and kill him? And the monks argue that it, that it is because a dog cannot become more dog when they are sick and suffering. A dog cannot be more dog. Whereas a human in sickness can actually become more human. They can become more like Christ. They can become more spiritual. They can become more thoughtful and caring and considerate and more humanity. I think that's happened to me at some level where it slowed me down. It allows me to see people with much more grace. And that's been one of the great things I've learned from this is just to be a little less idealistic and a little more compassionate to people that have issues, handicapped people. You know, I 
woke up a few months ago and I was paralyzed from my legs down. I don't know if you knew that or not, Chris, but no. So I had uh, I had spine surgery on top of my illness, which is a it's you know back surgery is its own animal, and so I wake up paralyzed and now I barely ha- I don't have much use of my legs. Plus, I have this cancer thing going on, and it's just a, it's an incredible test of everything I've ever taught yeah. for me. So I teach, you know, a good word, you know, laughter's good like medicine. I've always believed that. I've always laughed hard. We named our first kid Isaac, which is the laughter in Hebrew, and Okay, now it's a little prove it. Now I really get tested on that. Because sometimes it's hard to laugh when you can't walk. Your stomach, every time you breathe, feels like somebody's stabbing you in the gut. And you can't, you don't leave the house for four to five days at a time because you just can't move. And everything hurts. And there's no comfort for four to five days at a time. There's no escaping it. There's no finding of any comfort anywhere. It sounds worse than it is, but it it is kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. So, Mark, tell me, every as Chris pointed out here, everybody at some point deals with this. What advice would you have for men who are listening to this podcast uh, about living their life? differently or more in preparation or finding that humanity now what what advice you know i've had so many friends go i wish you know is there is that question larry because it's such a great question is there a way to hijack to get to that level of understanding or you know not enlightenment i don't want to make it sound like special or something no but we know what you mean without getting sick can you get there without getting sick yeah and i don't know you if live you without can. dying yeah i really don't know if you can i didn't you know even though i was thoughtful and philosophical and caring and things of that nature this just pushes it to a whole different whole different level not that you need that by any any stretch of the imagination. Um, but one, you know, the things I've learned, I would say the healthy man who's watching, and I've, I've drawn this from some friends who died young. Uh, my cousin died young and I immediately became a better father because he was like a kind of like a little son to me in a way he was, you know, Uh, a decade younger than me and so we grew up together and I was kind of like his uncle cousin kind of deal and he died of brain cancer and uh, when he died I thought life is so short and I know that impacted my fathering to such a level uh, to make memories with my kids to spend time with my kids to make sure they know that I know them and they know me and that there's a friendship there, there's a respect there. There's a lot you can learn and glean, extra hugging, extra caring. Um, but in terms, I don't think you need to get sick to 
you don't you don't want the full Monty. Right. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. So what do you yeah. hope uh what do you hope in the final between now and when you finally do pass away? I mean what is what's left for Mark? You know, my my big my biggie from the start is we got back from the hospital and they give us an anthology of cancer materials and books and you know all this we got this big bag that says yada yada cancer center and it's just this huge cancer you know you can turn into a cancer family right and i remember we were driving home and i said hey shanny um pull over here and she goes a jack in the box i said jack in the box she goes you've are you you are sick you are sick of you've, you've never eaten a Jack in the Box, Mark. Are you sure? I say pull over into Jack in the Box. And we pull the Jack in the Box and I take every item they gave us and I throw it in the garbage outside Jack in the Box. And I told my, and she's like, well, you know, my wife, as any wise person alive would say, well, we need those papers, you know, we got to get educated and know what's going on and whatever and i said we are not going to be a fan a cancer family and some families are and they get that you know big support and that big push we didn't tell anybody for years we just came out of the closet this last year because i had lost 50 pounds and it yeah i couldn't hide it anymore yeah, that's the only uh, thing I figured it out, Mark. I, I just saw you on Facebook yeah. Live one day and went, holy cow, something's wrong. Yeah, but, you know, I didn't tell a soul because I, I didn't want the attention. I, I, I have so much attention, I get sick of myself anyway. So then you add sickness on it, and now it's so much attention, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Or overwhelming. Or, but anyway... um. What's left for me, Larry, to answer your question is I want to show my kids how to live with courage, die with courage, have cancer with courage, be healthy with courage. And I want to see what faith and courage look like, mm-hmm. no matter what. And so what's left for me, I think I have some career things that uh, they fuel me. Like I've been told people are shocked when they still hear I work. You know, I had a best-selling book this year. I had uh, Brunson gave me the million-dollar award for a funnel that really my partners created. But, you know, we got the million-dollar club again. And, and I've had some career breakthroughs in terms of billionaires reaching out for consulting. And, and that stuff still fuels me. And this interview, I was so honored and excited uh, for this interview. I mean, this stuff keeps me alive. So still speak at high schools and occasionally speak at business things, but not too much. But uh, I don't know. I might have a lot of life left. I might have a week. I really don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But what's well, left Mark. is courage. That's what I want to maintain. Like Job and his sickness when his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Get over with. Um, I just do not, God must take me because I'm not handing myself over. 
Yeah. What a story of inspiration and encouragement to all the guys who are listening. I know it has been for me. It's, it just, I am honored to have you be a part of this. I really am. And just want to thank you so much for sharing this time with us. Well, I'm honored to be invited. And, uh, of course, I'll get the show to my audience as well. And, I just, you know, I have so much respect. Larry, we haven't got to know each other much. But, you know, Chris, we go back for a long time. And I was just telling my mom, I said, you know, Chris, he's one of those guys that, um, he's old school, he's old school integrity, you know, and remember when we were having cigars the other day and the new guys are different and I guess I'm a new guy, so, you know, whatever, but yeah, the new teachers and that kind of stuff, it's just got a different vibe. It's more showy and glammy and yeah, they rent their Ferraris and like, their airplanes and then they take pictures in front of them and pretend that they have them. <laughs> Yeah, they do. They get their, you know, their five thousand dollar gent rental card, and yeah, yeah, and take pictures in front of their jet that does, you know, it was five thousand for the thing, and then you rent a Lamborghini for a week, and you know, you it, but you know, it's its own thing, and I try not to judge it. But we were talking about it, and it was just I was just telling my mom, you know, Chris is like almost no country for old men kind of thing. And when we sat down, I was like, yeah. yeah. Well, Mark, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us on the how to be a real man podcast. You are a guy that I've always thought of as a real man. Um, you know, back in the day when we first met, you were this, you know, powerful brash, like you said, looked like a pro athlete, totally ripped and out there killing it on the internet and making things happen. And then you and I kind of lost touch for a while. And next thing I saw was, you know, you obviously were battling something and, and, you know, I, I see you still today as a real man. Um, you know, you've lost a lot of weight and a lot of your health, but you're still the same guy and a, and a better guy. Uh, because of the ways you are grown. And so it's it's been a real honor to have you on here. And so, folks, on behalf of my good friend Larry Wingett, the co-host of the How to Be a Real Man podcast, we hope that you've enjoyed our time today with Mark Hoverson. And uh, we will see you on the next podcast. Thank you guys so much.